This is Michelle McKenzie, and welcome to the WTF Podcast, where we demystify entrepreneurship and the fog around funding. When it comes to family businesses, the key to moving from lifetime to legacy is creating a future-focused enterprise. This entails enabling innovation and creativity such that you are able to create new opportunities that would be viable in the future through regeneration, renewal, and reinvention. My guest today is Nikkei Anani. Nikkei is an international award-winning entrepreneur, succession specialist, and a legacy planning expert for future-focused business families. She is on a mission to help businesses move from lifetime to legacy such that they build family enterprises for the future. In this episode, we will talk about how she is helping founders and next-gen manage the succession process in a family business. Nikkei, welcome to the WTF Podcast. Yeah, it's great to be back. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You are welcome. The last time you were here, we talked about family businesses and some of the pitfalls of family businesses navigating that transition from the lifetime of the founder. We all have Mm -hmm. a lifetime. We all have an expiration date. And a business is an entity that can outlive us and outlast us. How mm-hmm. to make that a legacy once the original founder passes on is what you focus on in the family businesses that you advise and support and you're also a part of because you're a part of your family business. Walk yes. us through lifetime to legacy. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? And what are you trying to accomplish with this book? Who is it for? And what do you want them to take away from reading this book? Yes, no, thank you. Great question. Lifetime to legacy, simply put, is how can we take enterprises from lifetime to legacy such that they outlive the founder? And who is it for? It's for a business owner that's founded a business and is looking to pull back and is anticipating what's next for me, what's next for the business, how can this undergo a generational transition? It's for a next generation family member that is on the other side and seeing mom or dad has been building this business for a while and is really seeking, how can I have more responsibility? How can I champion change? How can I ensure that I play my part such that this enterprise moves from lifetime to legacy? It's also for advisors and non-family staff who are probably working with families, but just don't quite understand why things are just not linear. Things are just not rational and seeking to really understand how family dynamics can have an impact on the enterprise such that they can make a greater impact. And why did I write this? I feel very strongly that in the industry, there's a lot of talk about generational transition, transitioning your enterprise from generation one to generation two. I feel that that is insufficient. I feel that it's really important that we are transforming our enterprises such that they are future relevant, right? And so families have to grapple with a lot of change, change on the individual level, on the family level, and also in the business environment level. How do we ensure that we are driving change as a family such that our enterprise remains future relevant, future focused through creation of new opportunities through, as you said, renewal, regeneration and reinvention? You've said a lot. (laughs) So let's tease out a few of that. 
Let's start with the term itself, legacy, and what legacy actually means. In when we're talking about wealth and wealth creation in the Black community, whether it's the global Black community or the Black community here in the U.S., you're now hearing lots of conversations around legacy and enterprise building as a way of creating legacy, building a business to create a legacy for that family. What does that really mean? What do they need to understand about that word legacy and what goes into actually ensuring that that legacy lives on beyond the founder? Fantastic question. Legacy, as said by Peter Struppel, is not just leaving something for people, it's leaving something in people. So when we typically talk about this in the community... Can you repeat that? Say it again. Not just leaving something for people but leaving something in people. When I we talk about this. that's the important part of what's missing in a lot of people's understanding about what is legacy. Because they are thinking, I'm leaving something for my children and for my family, but they're not thinking about what they're leaving in them and how to yeah. instill that. And I know you want to really focus on the relational part of yeah. succession, transition, and legacy building. So I'll turn it back over to you to explain legacy and get into that part of the conversation. Yeah, no. So when we're talking about leaving something for people, we're talking about tangible assets. We're talking about assets under management. We're talking about real estate. We're talking about a business and cash. When we're talking about leaving something in people, it's the intangible. It's the knowledge. It's the wisdom. It's the know-how. It's the values. It's the virtues. And the irony of this conversation is that within our community, we haven't really been successful at transferring generational wealth, right? For various reasons that are beyond our control, right? The irony is it would seem that we should focus on the accumulation of financial assets alone. But in reality, the family wealth, a legacy wealth goes beyond just financial wealth. The financial wealth is an outcome of other factors. And these other factors are other sources of wealth. There's a spiritual capital, there's a knowledge capital, there's an intellectual capital, and there's a social capital. And we as a family have to work on cultivating these other capitals, or I missed one, human capital as well. Uh, we have to work on nurturing, cultivating, growing these sources of capital. And the outcome of these is the financial capital. So legacy is not just leaving something for people, it's leaving something in people. I love that. Now, how do we do it? <laughs> the how is always the hard part, right? The what is the easy part. It's really, we have to come together as a family to start having considered conversations as a family. Who are we? Where are we heading with this enterprise? How do we want to get there? And what is important to us? What's Michelle's role in this journey? What's Nikkei's role in this journey? What's a decision-making process that makes sense for us as a family, a framework? And what will we do when we fight? Because we will fight, right? Um, conflict is a given. In a family enterprise, you have so many different stakeholders because you have the family system, you have the business system, and you have the ownership system. And different members belong to different groups. And there's an overlap as a Venn diagram, which I, I articulate in my book. So let's consider the business founder. 
The founder is a family member and works in the business and typically is the sole shareholder, the sole owner of the business and occupies those three hats and sees the business through those three lenses, right? Well, consider the next generation that does not work in the business, does not own shares, but is a family member. His or her perspective is widely different from that of of the founder. And so if we go through that exercise and analyze each stakeholder's place in the family, we realize that they have different perspectives, different priorities, different preferences based on the different role they occupy. And this differences and preferences, priorities and perspectives can lead to conflict. So it's important that we understand that conflict is inevitable, but we have a process through which we manage said conflict. I think that part that conflict is inevitable. And there are lots of people who are building businesses now and say that they're building legacy, but those infrastructure for how to manage the relational set, people are people and people can be messy. And when you put Mm -hmm. people and money together, potential to get even messier. What are some common mistakes that family business Mm -hmm. owners make on their legacy journey? What do they fail to take into consideration and fail to put into place or even fail to understand Mm -hmm. that is necessary to create the legacy that they think they have in mind, but may not Mm -hmm. know how to fully articulate to make it a reality? Yeah. One common one is working in the business, but not working on the business. And in a family enterprise setting, working on the business is also similar to working on the family, understanding that there's the business of family and being institutional and methodical in the way we manage our family. So working in the business, we know what that is as business owners. We have to pay bills. We have to sort out procurement. We have to hire staff. But when we work on our business, we get very strategic. We get very helicopter view. We think through new opportunities. We think through threats. We think through our strengths, how to harness on those. And we think through opportunities to develop more resources. And it's similar when we're working on our families. We have to get very clear on what is our family's competitive advantage? What is our secret source? Based on the five types of capital that we have available, that's being contributed by different family members. We have to get very clear on how are we developing the learning capacity of the family such that we are able to create renewal, reinvention and um, regeneration and new opportunities. We have to get very clear on what is a structure that we need to bring about the best of the different family members in terms of an orderly, cohesive decision-making process. We have to get very clear about what policies do we need to put in place where um, we look at the impact of the business on the family and the impact of the family on the business. For instance, do we need a family employment policy? Do we need a policy for family members that want to be on the board of the family business? Do we need a structured governing body to manage the family, like a family council and so on and so forth? That is often a common mistake that business owners make, is just being eagle-eyed, focused on the business alone and not thinking through the business of the family. I think that's a good point. I think there are probably a number of people who are building businesses now, but 
it's not really a family business. They are they are the business and mm-hmm. no one else is really involved in it, even though they say they're building it for their family and they come to their end of their lifetime. And then now is when everybody is trying to figure out, well, what next? Because there was not that intentionality about prepping the family to continue on this legacy. It's not just putting it in a will or a trust or whatever that I'm leaving this to you, but how do I be intentional and deliberate about doing that in a sustainable way? So what Mm -hmm. lessons can Africa, you are, you know, a pioneer in the African family business space, teach family, global family enterprises about building legacies. And from your own experience in your family business and other family businesses that you've witnessed. Mm, I love this question because quite often Africa is looked at through the lens um, globally as the poor cousin that has to learn from everyone else. And I think there's so much the world can learn from Africa. The first lesson is one of interdependence versus independence. As a community, Africans typically, Africa is a large continent, firstly, 54 countries, billions of people, thousands of tribes, so much heterogeneity. But there's some key commonalities that really bond us across the continent. And one is that we are a collectivist culture. So I am a representative of my tribe. I'm a representative of my community. I have a consciousness that we are all interlinked and we practice philosophies such as Ubuntu, I am because you are. As a result of that mindset, right, there's a level of commitment, engagement I have towards my family, knowing that it's not just about me, but it's also about we. And this interdependent thinking is absolutely mission critical in creating a future-focused, successful family because Michelle cannot have her way all the time, nor can Nikia, right? Um, We don't necessarily, we can't strive for each of us having our way and each of us seeking just the pursuit of our individual purpose to the detriment of the collective purpose, right? Whilst we, we want unity within the family, where we come together, we have a rallying focus, not necessarily uniformity, where everyone looks the same. And if they don't look the same or act the same, they have to then find their own space and place to express themselves. So this interdependent thinking is absolutely key, particularly when we're thinking of a world that's riddled with so many social problems. And right now, there's a lot of talk about ESG, social impact, consciousness of the wider environment. And this is something we've been practicing for centuries because there's a consciousness in our social fiber of not leaving those that are at risk of being left behind. Every African is a philanthropist, but might not necessarily have a formal foundation, right? And the way we build our businesses is thinking through the wider stakeholder system. That decisions that are made by a business owner, I am because we are, impacts on others beyond us. And we think through that impact, not just on the family system level, but also on the business system level. I'm speaking with Nikkei Anani, leading family business consultant and the author of Lifetime to Legacy. Nikkei, how can we help the rising generation to create a profitable and productive and sustainable family enterprise? What's done is done in terms of 
family businesses of the past. How yeah. do we create a productive and sustainable family business of the future? What are the key attributes of that? So mm-hmm. what should a, an entrepreneur right now who is working on creating a legacy and a legacy for their family, a legacy business, what are the key things, maybe three to five key things that they should be doing to make mm-hmm. that happen, to create a future forward enterprise? Yeah, great question. First thing, focus on the future. Quite often, it's easy to focus on what you've done in the past to get to you to your present. But we all know that that's no guarantee of it being successful in the future. Given the level of economic upheaval we're seeing with things like the recession, given social upheaval we're seeing with things like the pandemic, and all manner of political upheaval we've seen in the last two years. So be focused on the future. What's the evolution of your industry? What's your fit in the industry? What's the compelling value addition you're bringing to the fore? And how can you develop those resources to get you there? The second thing is to work on the talent, right? Business is all about talent. Talent on the business level, but also on the family level. Are you attracting talent? Are you retaining talent? Are you nurturing talent on both systems, right? And quite often, this conversation is reduced to one of remuneration, but that really isn't hitting the nail on the head, is one of culture. So getting very clear on what is the higher purpose beyond making dollars and cents of this business? What value does that add to various stakeholders in terms of their status, in terms of their feel-good factor, in terms of their prestige, in terms of their career opportunities? What's the compelling reason why Nika should work with you? Whether she's a family member or whether she's a non-family member. And when I say work with you, I don't necessarily mean that Nikkei, your daughter, is working alongside you in the business. I mean that even why should she have emotional ownership in this business solely as an owner, right? Her voice is key. All voices are key because the rising generation have a unique perspective, a pulse on the future. They're digitally native. They're technologically fluent. They're socially conscious. So their voices are key, but their voices might not be heard in spaces where they don't feel they'll be listened to and also they don't feel is really compelling enough to attract them because they have competing factors for their time, their energy and their careers. That's the second thing I would say. The third thing I would say is start to embrace, well, yesterday you should have embraced the legacy mindset. You need to work on this yesterday. You were When we were talking about what are the common mistakes people make and you answered one of the common ones and that is, Only starting to think about legacy when the inevitable is imminent, like the founder wants to retire next year, or there's a health crisis, there's a conflict, there's a succession um, crisis. Legacy is a mindset. Legacy is an evolution, not a revolution. And you need to start building, putting the building blocks today for what you want to see in a hundred years, right? Those are the key things that I would suggest. Where Getting ready to start wrapping up this conversation. But before we do that, a part of creating a legacy business is about bringing the next gen along into that business. What are some recommendations for you on how to create age and gender inclusivity in business families? 
right? So bringing in the younger generation or considering the daughter as the successor versus the son, how do you navigate those dynamics and those relationships? Number one, consciousness of the inequities, the natural inequities that will be pervade within the system, right? We must all look within and see the kind of biases that we're entrenching and that we're perpetuating within the family system. Typically, there have been conversations with the boys about their future responsibilities in the business, while the girls, is they're going to get married off and they're having a second last name. Now, is this fair? Is this what you really want for the future of your family? If it isn't, if it's that you're trying to attract talent and bring the best of the four to your family enterprise, inclusivity and diversity is an absolute must. And when we think about it, families are endowed with a natural diversity that other institutions do not necessarily enjoy. Families have age diversity, families have gender diversity typically, and so you have an opportunity to draw upon the strength and the diversity of the team. So that's one, being conscious of the fact that there may be inequalities within the family system and that will affect the succession process. Two is now how can we start to counter those in the event that Nikkei may have the skill set, the passion, the ability to be the next leader of a family enterprise, but is suffering from immense imposter syndrome because she's never had any role models in the family enterprise or in society that look like her. So starting to have, I would advise bringing in a third party that understands family systems, that can have private conversations with each of the potential, the rising generation to understand their skill set, their strengths, their vision for the future, and act almost as a sounding board, as a mentor, as a guide, as a cheerleader, and also kick up the backside when necessary right? And start to groom these the, the potential successor into the future role. The third thing I would say is it's not about individual rulership. It's about collective leadership. It really is about creating a team within the siblings, the rising generation, where they each have a voice. And collectively, they are providing direction and steering the ship of the enterprise. So it's important that they start banding together as a team and practicing this collective leadership. And we can start small on a project, whether it's a philanthropic project or an investment project or volunteering so that you they exercise their skills and see where they best flourish and see their skills to the fore so that those that are younger are able to practice exercising their voices and their strengths. Those that are female are able to see that they're able to lead. Those are the three areas that I would definitely recommend. Thank you for those recommendations. Now, before we go, one last opportunity to tell the listeners where they can find Lifetime to Legacy and how to best utilize that book as a resource to help them start, grow, sustain healthy legacy, future forward legacy businesses. Yeah. So Lifetime to Legacy can be found on Amazon. So if you just search for it, you will come up there and you can also learn more information on my website www.nikeanani.com. Lifetime to Legacy is not intended to be just this 
book, you read like a Netflix binge, there's a lot of practical exercises in there to go through and it's best read as a family. So there's exercises you can do to have your first family meeting, to explore your shared vision, your shared values, your shared purpose. There's exercises to get to know each other better as a family and to start to have those difficult conversations on death, money and the future of the enterprise. So I definitely recommend it. It serves to be a practical guide, not just this academic book. Thank you for that, Nikkei. But you also have your own podcast. So where can we find out more information about your podcast and tune in because you have these types of conversations on that platform all the time. Yes, I have my podcast, The Connected Generation with Nikia Anani, and it's on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. You can find more information on my website, again, www.nikiaanani.com. We explore conversations on legacy wealth and legacy businesses, inviting guests from all over the world, both business owners that have done it, those that are on their journey towards it and expert teachers that have a thing or two to share on tips on how we can build sustainable family enterprises. There you have it, folks. If you're interested in learning how to build a sustainable future forward family enterprise, make sure that you're checking out Nikkei's podcast for more information about how to do that and what are the practical steps that you could take. Nikkei, thank you so much for stopping by the WTF podcast once again. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. And to the listeners, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you like it, you know, I always say, don't keep good content to yourself. So if you like it, let people know, rate it, let me know. Rate it, review it, share it with other people, write a review so that other people can know how you feel about this episode. And also, please subscribe to the podcast at its new home on the Alive Podcast Network. And follow the podcast on your favorite podcast streaming platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. And to be a guest or sponsor of the podcast, email me at wheresafunding at gmail.com. And follow the podcast on Instagram at wheresafunding underscore podcast. There's also a podcast page on LinkedIn. And follow me, your host, Michelle J. McKenzie, on LinkedIn. Join me next Friday for the next episode.